You're listening to Brave New Words. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Del. So yes, this is a book show, in case you've tuned in by mistake, um, and we talk about books. So <laughs> on today's show, we're going to judge some books by their cover and dial in, uh, dial in, dive in to uh, a whole pile of books that we have. In Let's the, not the ourselves. We can dive in. We can dive and dial in, but mostly we dive in in a Scrooge McDuck style way. That so is. It's kind of yeah, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the problem. And it our looked, younger it, audience have no idea what we're talking about. Scrooge McDuck is sort of like a not evil Donald Trump. So, um, shall we get on with a jingle? We can. A lovely jingle. Across the world, 24 hours a day. That was a jingle, uh, wasn't it? Lovely. Good jingle. Mm. Uh, right, so by the by, um, before we start, uh, you can follow the show on uh, Twitter uh, at Radio Bookworm. You can find us in the Super Secret Book Club, Brave New Words Super Secret Book Club on Facebook. You should definitely join that and you should get all your friends to join that as well. They'll get annoyed by it, but do it anyway. Mm. And you can follow us on Tumblr. I think we have an Instagram somewhere as well. We we have. Um, I think we have this this ancient guy near, uh, like attached to the roots of a tree that sends messages across the world. Or maybe that was a dream I had. But yes, we have all of those things as well. Get in touch with us on social media. If you are listening to the show on the iTunes, please, please, please comment, share, subscribe, that sort of thing. Comments are really good. And you should really do it because it'd be lovely if you did. Uh, and if you're listening to us on the Monkey Spanner, hello, Monkey Spanner listeners. So, um, shall we dive into the judge a book and judge some books by their cover? Yeah, let's judge some books by their covers. I'm kind of tempted by this one. Shall I start? Right, so that's an arc. You should explain that it's an arc. It's, it's an, an it's advanced review copy. Um, well, yeah, the, the front of the cover. Don't trust this book. Don't trust this story. Don't trust yourself. It's Sarah Pimbra's Behind Her Eyes. And whatever you do, don't give away that ending. Okay. <laughs> so I've spoiled, it already. I've spoiled it already. <laughs> Hashtag WTF that ending uh, by Sarah. It's bright orange on the borders. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of misty, smoky thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's basically, isn't it, an advanced warning that it's going to be a twisty, turny thing? But that is literally all I know about that. Like, I could tell you nothing else I couldn't tell you if that's sci-fi if it's fantasy if it's a spy story like I can't tell you anything about that so the intrigue alone on the arc is the only thing to sell you to read it but it's probably going to be a mystery because it's a mystery how do you know well you've read it I'm assuming don't trust the spook don't trust the story it's probably a mystery could be it's also Sarah Pendra so it's going to be about murder (laughs) You open it and it says, Free can keep a secret if two are dead. Yeah, okay, we know where we're going with this. Words don't just cover it. All I can say is thanks. That's the dedication. Um, and the first line is, Pinch myself and say I'm awake once an hour. I look at my hands, count my fingers, look at the clock or watch. Look away, look back, stay calm and focused. Think of a door. Um, this is Sarah Pembroke. She wrote 13 Minutes, which is one of my favourite books of this year. 
uh, 30 minutes is a twisty twisty tenny thing that exceeds all your expectations and then totally drives you into a bus uh, oh. if you've watched Black Mirror recently the TV series Black Mirror um, 13 minutes is probably probably one of the more grounded 13 Black Mirror style stories is the best way to describe it it's that sort of thing shut up and dance though they're not like each other at all it has the same sort of twists and turns and if that makes means something to you excellent if it doesn't it means that you should either wear, read more Sarah Pinborough or watch more Black Mirror mm. or both but not at the same time unless you can do that in which case cool um, books I'm jumping in I've picked one up um, it's called A Head of A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay it's kind of got almost like a concrete-esque cover there's an upside down crucifix and some vines with some thorns um so i i would assume there's maybe something kind of fantasy horror maybe from that is what i would take the basically the first thing you see there is it says stephen king in massive letters at the top so that's who the quotes by which therefore kind of just keeps that going and, and pushes that a little bit further so yeah i would assume a, th- a thriller of form um I don't read a lot of thrillers, so I wouldn't necessarily read it. But if you did, I think it looks intriguing enough that I would. Like, it's 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 tempting enough if it is your genre. And that is how I would judge this cover. We've had Paul on the show. He has been one of our lovely authors. Aww. And it is indeed about ghosts next to them. Cool. So, yeah, that was not, not too far off. <laughs> I've picked up... It's a book with the Warhammer 40,000 Imperial Eagle on it. Uh, it's, it says in the back, Legends Collection, one forty thousand. Uh, I think, I think it's a print version of a Sisters of Silence story that Battle Library produced a couple of years ago. Judging by the the inside. Now, if memory serves, the Sisters of Silence, who have taken a vow of silence and never speak or communicate, the audio they produced for that was one hour and fifteen minutes of silence. So, what's inside the the, the pages, Ross? You've got to look very careful at it, to be honest, uh, to, re- to really appreciate the, the, the depth of the story. Is it, in fact, the notepad that you get with the Hachette Legends collection and has absolutely no words in it at all because it's a notepad, Ross? It's and entirely it's, possible. It, in, and the cover, it, you're right, it's lovely. It's the one I'm Is it entirely possible that the Sisters of Story, Silence audio story I've just referred to was released on an April the 1st? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, and... <laughs> This is, in fact, the, the notepad that you get with the Legends collection, but it's got a very lovely Aquila on the front. It has. If I didn't know the Warhammer 40,000 world, I'd assume it was something to do with either Rome or Fascism, which, you know, get, is kind of close to the mark when it comes to yeah. Warhammer 40,000. So it is a lovely cover, because it's that foul leather bound thing. But, um, yeah, the contents are, well, there's nothing there. It's entirely blank pages, yeah. Yes. So, very, very well done. <laughs> oh, it's secret ink. Or a secret Ed, ink. Edsko? Oh, um, I was gonna... Not Edsko. Are you just handing out books? Uh, I was going to grab this one, which is The Complete Orsina by Ursula Le Guin mm. um, from the Library of America. And I think I'm going to spend a little time just actually... Because the cover is black. It's black. Mm. It's a black book with, uh, with the red, white and blue line, because Library of America... Um, line for it but I am actually going to have a bit of a play with the book can you open it up um, inside cover is a map um, the actual dust cover 
Ooh. Oh, wow. Uh, is uh, the catalogue of the Library of America. The Library of America, of course, famously preserve books. That's what they exist for. They they do this kind of thing where they they keep um, they, they keep things in perpetual print. Mm. So you can always get a print copy of it. And I'm just paging through it, and it's this beautifully beautiful cream paper, beautiful feeling to it. Uh, beautifully dense. I have no idea what it's about because it's a picture of Ursula Le Guin uh, <laughs> and some words uh, and the, the red, white, and blue uh, stripe. But give that a feel. Because you feel the pages as well. Oh. I've I've felt it before. Well, those are nice pages. Yeah, yeah just feel, that does feel nice. <laughs> <laughs> but they're designed to last multiple lifetimes. Is the thing that's the whole point of the Library of America? They're supposed to be this kind of like legacy books so they're, they're built to last they almost feel family bible-esque which I think is exactly what they're yeah, they yeah I was I was thinking it looked that sort of style the um, the font size well okay the font on the inside of the, the dust cover sort of remind me of a, di- a dictionary if anything but well judging it by the cover that looks like it will take weeks to read because mm. of the density of it and the, the general you know it feels like you could actually cudgel someone to death quite easily with that <laughs> It's a hardback. It is a hardback. You can control people from death of musk hardbacks, can't you? I think I know why you've passed me this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not reviewing it. The book is called Shakespeare vs. Cthulhu, uh, edited by Mr. Jonathan Green. Um, there's there's a number of interesting authors in the in this book. Um, a number of obscure authors that you, you'll never have heard of. Um, and... Um, should we move on to another book, Ed? Or, or do you want us to talk about this one in particular? Um, no, not really. I mean, you should definitely buy it because it looks amazing. Um, but yes, there's some fantastic authors in there. And we, we, we one, may one re- of them looks rubbish. Yeah, one of them is completely rubbish. And that would be we, we may have referred to this book in a number of other shows. Um, um, but it's a really nice cover. Cause it, it is shakes- a nice cover, actually. You look at it, it's Shakespeare being attacked by tentacles, so yeah. you can't get really... I like that it's not actually crazy Cthulhu in your face, like it's just tentacles, like it's it's a nice nuance as opposed to a, a, a smash. But yes, it's it's almost all, well, no, all of the authors except one are amazing, brilliant writers, and then there's me, so they... <laughs> um... Right, I have picked up The Creeper Man by... Dawn Kurtigish? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's... Um, it's... The cover is literally a little girl with ink superimposed to be running down her face. Like, doesn't it? Like, it's actually on her face. Um, I would assume from the cover that, again, it's a thriller, just because of the fact it's a little girl and there's ink <laughs> running on her face. Um... The back blurb is pretty succinct as well. I've just got, there. there's a man in the trees, a man with no eyes, but still he watches. That's the surprise. Stay away from the woods. It couldn't be clearer, but the trees are creeping nearer and nearer. Beware the creeper man. Um, so that sounds actually quite interesting. Uh, a little bit freaky because of the fact that it's done in rhyme, actually, that's that's caught my interest a lot more. I've already said I'm not normally like a thriller or horror reader, but I would potentially read this simply because it rhymes. <laughs> um, uh, and then the the praise on the back is for a different book, not this book, but the um, 
the quotes are R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike, so it's probably quite indicative of the sort of story this is going to be. Is it for... Oh, what the quotes on the back for? Oh, for, for the, the Dead, dead house. house, which I hated. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't like that. But it doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything. I mean, it's got a picture of the Dead House, which is by the same author, but it doesn't actually say anywhere on this book if this is connected to it. So I'm just assuming that that's just... I'm assuming it's not... for a previous book by the same author. I can't see anything anywhere that says this is connected. I'm assuming it's not because I've read The Dead House and I hope it's not a sequel, um, to be honest. But then that's because I just felt it was like like The Dark Half and then halfway mm. through realised I wanted to be reading The Dark Half. Nah. So I then went... And, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Cover judged. I picked a book, um, The Apothecary's Curse by Barbara Barnett. Uh, it's again. I've got an ARC. Um, we've got a quotation at the top by Jane Spenson. Uh, a new narrative world, lovingly furnished with the craft and care of an older time. The cover, the the figure on the cover, sort of appears. Well, it's, it's a it's a chap with a with, with it touching his tap uh, his hand to his top hat. So I've got. So, I don't know why I'm getting a, more of a. This is a Willy Wonka style. It's not yeah, Willy Wonka, but that's obviously the, the the top hat is that kind of iconic of that yeah. character now and it's, there's a certain amount of whimsy in it and it's got an almost steampunk feel but I couldn't actually tell you why because there's nothing particularly steampunky or Edwardian about it but. well it appears well, to be I mean the word apothecary is sort of a doctor of that kind of age yeah. though well, he appears to be able to conjure you know psychedelic effects from his hands yeah um, like a balloon <laughs> so, so, so what we're saying is this is a book about a very creepy steampunk children's performer yeah that's exactly what I think that is. So we're, we're set in Victorian London. Um, we're at the times of Simon Bell. Simon Bell, a real person? Or I mean, is this character? In probably is a real person called Simon Bell. And, and probably if you're listening to the show, Simon Bell, and you want to get in touch, then um, I tell you what, if you're actually called Simon Bell, we will send you this book. Get in touch with us at Radio Bookworm, and we will post you. Th- if your name really is Simon Bell, you can have this book. There we go. No point in me taking that one home now, then. <laughs> it's fine. I think we have more than one copy, so we're not free. Um, Any more reveal from the back? Are we correct? It, no, there's a character... The, Simon Bell appears to be the main character. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Simon is... Yeah, involved... Is, yeah, using certain magics. He's trying to cure cancer. Not necessarily successful. So not a children's entertainer then? Not really, no. Oh, okay. Um, and he's, yeah, has has different conditions that needs to, to work through. You could, you could be moonlighting as a children's entertainer. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you could be moonlighting and a cancer cure, <laughs> as you do. Cool, I have um, Night Without Stars by Peter F. Hamilton. Before even looking at it, this is huge. That's huge. This is huge. This, I, why, why? Why is it so big? Because is... apparently we can kill people with it. But the thing is, we, I, I will judge the cover, but I've opened it up and the margins are also very large, so I think we all know how I feel about that one. Um, but the, the multi-million copy bestseller... It doesn't need padding, does it? <laughs> so I'm assuming this is a reprint. Multi-million... No, 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 he's a multi-million bestseller. Oh, as in he is a multi-million bestseller, not the book is a... Right, okay, fair enough. Um, it, it has a picture of a planet... And then a some form of projectile uh, with with the laser out the back of it and a, a moon and a lady's face behind the planet. 
So it's either about really tiny space travel, um, <laughs> or, or well, the planet is the size of her face, um, or that's not, or it's not to scale. Um, <laughs> she could be very I, large. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you anything about the lady. I don't know if she is an alien. I don't know if she is on the ship. But I would assume, therefore, that this is a space story and that maybe the protagonist is a lady. Um, the first few sentences of the blurb inside don't actually give me a huge amount either. Um, from the cover, if I was, like, as I have, just picked this up... Um, I'm not intrigued enough to read it. So, I've got Of Sands and Malice Made. It's a great name. Um, an intricate and exotic tale, according to Robin Hobb, and she would know. Um, so, what we have is we have the picture of... I assume it's a lady, but there's no real way of telling. She, it's a slender person. Mm. Uh, they're holding a wolf mask. Uh, they have a dagger. And they have a ponytail. So, I'm going to guess that's a girl. Or a lady, um, she is facing. That's a, she's in some sort of forest. Uh, it's all very blue. Um, <laughs> it's very blue. Very blue, and it's some sort of doorway thing. So my initial guess would be that this is a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Because, and what I like actually is that the female character has our has a back to her, us, but it's not a sexy character. Yeah, no, she's not a sexy, sexy lady. She's an assassin. I'm guessing. Um, or, she's or she's had to fend for herself. Some sort of warrior person. Sido mm. um, is the youngest pit fighter in the history of Shikaria. Ah, pit fighter. Yeah. Mm. Renowned uh, in the arena, she's a fearsome, undefeated white wolf. Hence the wolf mask, right? Okay. Uh, though none but her closest friends and allies know her true identity until she and Rumiesh cross paths. Rumiesh is determined to unmask the mysterious white wolf and claim Sina for her own. Why am I thinking that she's now called Sina? Uh, so I... Sina, warrior princess. Sina! No, don't <laughs> Sina. Uh, so Chanting Hannah is about to become... I was about to say, it does just sound like a Lucha Libre thing, doesn't it? it? <laughs> oh my God, though. you, you... Sina, warrior princess, which is a TV series about John Cena trapped in ancient Greece. I don't think that's a crossover the world needs. Oh, Especially, I disagree. It wouldn't work because no one would be able to see him. That's that's true. He would be invisible. But he's a princess. Maybe they could see he's his an tiara. invisible princess. You just trying to fight hordes of people that can't see him and don't care he's there. Well, being invisible is an advantage. But it's okay. He'll really hustle for it. <laughs> He will. He, oh, is it, You'll be able to see the crown floating around. Is it power, hustle? I can't Something remember. Hustle, loyalty or something. I glaze over when John Cena appears on television. Thing is, I don't, I don't hate him. I think he as a person is really interesting, but as soon as he gets in the ring, I'm just like, and they don't care. The, the thing <laughs> this is a book show, and obviously you can oh, listen yeah, to sorry. The Sunday Falsies, which is a wrestling show. But the thing with John Cena is... Um, people keep telling me as I got into wrestling that he's like a real Marmite character I don't care about Marmite if someone offers me Marmite I might have Marmite Marmite is an interesting flavour to add to things it's Marmite I don't love it I don't hate it I don't think he's Marmite I don't think anyone genuinely hates him kids kids love him 
I don't love or yeah. hate John yeah. Cena. I don't care. He's a he's a nice you know, he might be nice on toast every once in a while. <laughs> but I I'm not that fussed about the existence of John Cena. He's just a bit there. Cool. Or not there because he's invisible. Um you've got a book. Yeah, let's talk about some books. Really? You want to talk about books now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. See, no. I have this <laughs> So I've still got the Warrior Princess thing going in my head. <laughs> Um, I've got this lovely uh, light blue book called Not uh, sorry called Gilded Cage by Vic James uh, with the the subtitle Not All Are Free. It's not a subtitle. It's just a is a cap. Yeah, caption. Yeah, um, mission uh, statement. Mission statement. Well, yeah. Um, it does say book one on the spine, which already suggests you know you're going to have to invest in this. Um, the Gilded Cage. There's a picture of a cage uh, on the front cover. There's a bird in the cage. There's another one outside of it. Um, this sort of suggests that sort of this is probably going to be about some kind of dystopia. Um, I'm reading the back. There's no, the, the short uh, description on the on the spine. Uh, sorry, on the on the back cover. Uh, in the modern Britain, everyone must endure ten years of slavery for a magically skilled aristocracy. Here, a teenage boy dreams of rebellion. His sister thirsts for knowledge and will find love. And a dangerous young aristocrat will remake the world with his dark gifts. So yes, it's, there's a, there is probably a dystopia here. I. Pulled out. I'm just going to hand this to Voss. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to pull this out, which is the Cthulhu Casebook, Sherlock Holmes and the Shadwell Shadows by James Lovegrove. Mm. I should get around to reading this at some point. Um, it's very green. Oh, yeah, I was actually going to say exact same. Very green. So what we've got is mostly the title makes up the cover. Here it's mostly title. Except for the fact that we've got tentacles, like bright, luminous, lime greeny tentacles that run all the way around it, because Cthulhu and tentacles. And then we turn the back, oh, there's, there's more tentacles. There's tentacles everywhere. I'm going to experiment carefully. I'm just going to open it away for myself in case tentacles burst out. Well, don't point it at me, please. Okay, I, I'm not. Put it at the oh mic- my god! Don't put um, it at the microphone. That's the audience. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's green. Look look at that's very green. That's green. So green. Um, so the the leaves are very green. Shall we? I, f- I feel like we've been unkind. Um, oh no, no, I don't think that's in any way a reflection of the book. We haven't read it. Like it's literally there's lots of tentacles. It's a story about Cthulhu and Sherlock Holmes. There's gonna be whimsy in it, surely. Do you know what this is? This is almost like a Victorian style. You know the Victorian yeah. lace work yeah. stuff. But instead of doing that, they've done tentacles. It it's is great. The- it is the autumn of 1880 and Dr John Watson has returned from Afghanistan badly injured and desperate to forget his nightmarish ex- expedition that left him doubting his sanity. Watson is close to destitution when he meets the extraordinary Sherlock Holmes who is investigating a series of deaths in Shadow District of London. Right, so... It's a retelling from the it's beginning. It's a retelling from the beginning but we've added Cthulhu. Yeah, I think ultimately in terms of judging a book by its cover the title is what is going to sell that book. They could do that book, so they could do anything with that cover you're going to read that book or you're not going to read that book. I, I, I kind of want more Warlock Holmes at some point. Warlock Holmes! Um, I have a book that is... It's an arc, so I can't kind of judge too much into it. But literally, it's navy blue. It's very dendrite So it's kind of navy blue, but with like um, a green vein system on it and a diagram of uh, like a dinosaur's foot. Um 
And then the only other piece of information on it is it says Heart of Granite. I haven't even got the author on here. The author is on the spine. It's by James Barkley. Um, I don't know. A dinosaur story? Um, it is, looks quite scientific, so uh, I would go with um, uh, fantasy future where there are still dinosaurs. Um, when I actually read the back, I've got one man, one brief conversation, a whole world of trouble. The world has become a battleground in a war which no side is winning, but for those determined to retain power, the prolonged stalemate cannot be tolerated. Max Halloran is living the brief and glorious life of a hunter-killer pilot. He's an ace in the air on his way up through the ranks, in love, and with his family's every need provided, Max has everything. Or does he? It doesn't mention dinosaurs. Maybe I, dinosaurs aren't a thing. You I, feel like they'd be a thing. I keep hearing wonderful things about Heart of Granite. I've not read it because the cover looks terrible. That's the thing. The cover... Because of the fact that the back doesn't mention dinosaurs, I wouldn't now read this. I'd read it if I thought it was about a future world that had dinosaurs. <laughs> but it, because the back doesn't mention dinosaurs, it's confused me as to what this is going to be about, and now I wouldn't read it. Can I... I'm just looking... Right, okay, so the cover... I mean, it's only the ARC cover, but... I don't understand. That appears no. to be talons of maybe some sort of bird. And that's oh, either right, bird, a sort of nervous system. <laughs> and that's either a nervous system or it's a bit of rock or yeah. it's a bit of a map. And, um... The so ARC, I, they, they haven't... That like, I, 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 Just too much is too confusing. I don't know. What? Uh, I have a, a, a number of books in front of me now. Um, I have a number more from the, the Legends collection, one forty thousand. Oh, yeah. I've got one of those as well. Have it. Okay. Um. Uh, we have the first Heretic, which we've reviewed pre- yeah, yeah. previously. But how would you judge it by the cover? But how would, it's a big chunky book. I'm fascinated it to see looks, what Dell um, would make of that. They one, look well. <laughs> what is this? Um, <laughs> mine's just got giant men on it with skulls on their chests. Um, I think in terms of judging this by its cover, it looks dramatic, it looks fighty, but I think again with Warhammer, people are going to read it or they're not. People like me who've never read a Warhammer, I wouldn't start now because it's too intimidating, I'd have no idea where to start. I don't think that Warhammer are going to entice people but with, with glitzy covers, but if you liked Warhammer, or you've read it before, this is, looks very well made and it looks very pretty. I've got an observation based on that because I have read this particular one in front of me before. This is uh, 15 Hours by Mitchell Scanlon. It's another one of 40,000. And when this came out, this was very much... Um, this was a beginner book. Uh, this is, You could read this not knowing about the one of 40,000 and it would be an introduction. However, since it's part of a series, it's also number 49 in the series, which... I don't think they've got to put 49 in the series. Yeah, it's like there's four in the Hachette collection, which these are all from... So they're, they're intending to go for a number <laughs> higher. I'm assuming there's going to be a 1 through 49 at some point. They've got a lot of gaps to fill in. Um, well, I've got 10. Yeah, uh, we've is... got the first Heretic, which is number 1. We've got the Warriors of Ultramar, which is 10, and 15 Hours, which is 49. And this is a, this is one I would suggest would be an earlier one because it's fairly introductory level, um, because it's an Imperial Guardsman experience. The, the 15 Hours... Well, no, judging it by the cover, it's yeah. a guy with a gun... Looking very angry, slight, slight, slash constipated, mm-hmm. and he's fighting an orc. There's no other way I can describe it. It's an orc. 
hits an orc. The orc appears to have goblins hanging around his neck, and he's also... It's an orc. Yes, yeah, it's bigger than him. It's wielding an axe, which is the height of the man in front of him. Yeah, you have a description of that. Mine has a big sword, which he appears to be pushing into the face of Alien from Alien. Huh. Um, but also quite nicely as well, there's a really, really subtle watermark of that um, insignia on the back. The double eagle. Yeah, Yeah, but like really, like you almost can't see it, but it's there. Like That's a really nice little touch. That the Aquila. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I've just done a hand gesture with your listeners, yeah. um, which which describes the the, the the holy symbol of 40k. It's it's this one, um, but yes, it's it's you stick your hands together and you kind yeah, of yeah link thumbs and in with the other things yeah, as, do, as wings of, you do of a bird. The birdie shadow puppets, <laughs> yeah, famous <laughs> across children the, the world through. Which yeah, I well, the, never take seriously in the 40k world because there's lines occasionally where they go and he makes the sound of the aquila and you go. Well, that's where they take their two hands and they clasp them through the chest. And it's very kind of because it's meant to be like a salute, but he's doing a birdie shadow puppet. Yeah. It doesn't really work if you know, if it's in front of your chest because there's not an awful lot of space for the shadow to cast on, be on cast on. The, the the back order of fifteen hours does explain the, the premise of what the fifteen hours refers to. It's the average lifespan once you get into battle. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So. It's a, see, it doesn't require a huge amount of introduction to the universe, which is why I'm still confused. It's number 49 in the series. Shall, shall we... Shall, shall we, we, we shall move on to other things. Mm. Del, do, do you have a... Um, I have something called A Plague of Swords, and it's a picture of a ship uh, being attacked by tentacles with like a Celtic-y kind of um, design in the background. But there's also a knight with a sword riding what appears to be a griffin. Um, towards the boat that is being attacked by all the tentacles, and the boat looks looks pretty old. Um, so I think this looks really fun. Um, I've w- judging it on that. I think it looks like a whole mismatch of genres going on because that ship is definitely not time appropriate with a knight, and the knight's riding a griffin, and there's a big giant tentacles. Um, so I would I would give this enough time to read the back. Um, <laughs> The back says, uh, "Oh, sorry, I haven't actually said. Yeah, Plague of Swords. It's by Miles Cameron. I do apologise. Completely forgot about the author. Then um, it's from Tor. From the oh no, it's not. That's I've made that up. Who's I don't anybody know who this is? Golance. Golance. Yeah. Um, one enemy has fallen. A greater one remains. Now it's war." The Red Knight withstood the full might of his enemy and won the day. In a victory which will be remembered through the ages, he united unlikely allies against a more powerful foe than they had ever seen. Now he will need those allies more than ever. Um, it make, that, that bit of, That's only the first half of the blurb, but it makes it sound like there's already been a story before. Does, I don't know if that's just me. It sounds like it's starting in... in the aftermath of one so, I, don't yeah. Know if, yeah, I don't know if it's a, a sequel to a book but it sounds like there's you know, events have occurred but this is what happens after that yeah. happens so I think it's in the middle of interesting events from the sound of that rather than it ne- it's necessarily potentially the, the next year's sequence <laughs> it sounds int- I, it's got quite a purple theme to it yeah there's well. lots of blues and purples I think that's one of the things that drew it to me as well that it's got lots of purples yeah I mean, the ship and the tentacle I don't know if that would have sold it alone to me but you pointed out this knight on flying above it I, yeah. I think that's one I would like to read. <laughs> it looks very fun, but I have no idea if it's part of a series or not. I have in front of me uh, Joe Abercrombie's The Blade Itself, which is this lovely black hardback. 
Uh, Again, I think it doesn't matter what they put on that cover, you're going to read it because it's Joe Abercrombie. Fair. Do you, can you review, is this the right amount of spacing in a book? That is an acceptable amount of margin space. But it's also not a huge book. It's not a huge it's book. Dense, it's dense. It's dense. There's a lot of pages. But yeah, you can hold it. But so. again, because it's a hardback, it's sort of one that you, you could buy for your friends in a please look after this book sort of way. Yeah, so the, 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 the back cover blurb we have, and we have a number of runes, we have a pentagram and other symbols on it. Uh, a crippled, bitter tra- torturer. A dashing, useless army officer, a berserker who no longer has a cause, and the bold old friend of a magus who brings them all together. And, okay, I have no idea how that relates to the blade itself, but I'm sure that will be explained as the story goes on. I'm kind of more curious about the dashing, useless army officer than the rest of it, to be honest. Dashing, useless army officer. Useless useless is an interesting word to put on the back of a book, but I'm glad he's got friends to to, to, to cope with his problems. So I have in my hands the Massacre of Mankind, oh, Ooh. by Stephen Baxter, and interestingly, I've got the press release here in one hand, and the press release tells me that the Massacre of Mankind. I'm going to we're never going to review this on the show, but the Massacre of Mankind, the cover for the um, commercial version, uh, is uh, Martian war machines uh, taking apart New York City. Oh. Uh, it's been 40 years since Martians invaded England the world has moved on and it's all about to go horribly wrong because they've returned and only Walter J- Jenkins is a man mad enough and paranoid enough to tell us that the Martians are on their way it's interesting because that's the cover for the so is this expressed as a sequel to The War of the Worlds? It is indeed. Uh, it says on the top, uh, oh. authorised by the H.G. Wells estate. Oh, right. And the uh, the ARC version that we've got is red. Very red. Very red. And then there's a picture, picture of a Martian war machine, and it is burning New York. And just to remind us it's New York, there's Liberty in flames. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And it's red. And it's got the words, Massacre. Mankind, Stephen Baxter. Um, Steve, I'm sh- I know the name Stephen Baxter. Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter yes. wrote science fiction together. Uh, it's that guy. Uh, yeah. he's very good. He's mm. very very good. Um, well, I think I think what would intrigue me about that is that it is H.G. Wells' kind of estate sanctions, and I think you wouldn't hand those over unless it was to someone that you trusted. So potentially, I that that's the thing that would intrigue me. So I've the pages and it has literally gone ooh la at me. So <laughs> ooh la um, ooh la. Um, I once got kicked out of a game workshop for the yelling the words ooh la. Why? Uh, it was uh, a dark elder death ray. Oh, okay. And I went ooh la, and the manager didn't understand what on earth I was talking about. So anyway, moving on. Uh, I have here Europe in Winter by Dave Hutchinson, which is his very white. Silhouette um, theme mm. because, well, presumably because snow, among other things. <laughs> um, but from the description in the back, uh, union, uh, we have a fractured Europe which utterly con- changed by the public unveiling of the community. Um, we are set in, well, London's going from, trains going from London to Prague, and there's secrets and there's subterfuge and political. So, what do you think that book is by looking at the cover? 
Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a... Oh. We've all made faces. We are making faces. It's a political story. I mean, there are, there's train tracks and other things going on, but it sort of makes me think X-Files-y sort of style of... It's, I think it's got well. like the X Files look rings. Either that, or because there's like a female face between two male faces. Is she about to get like trained to be some form of assassin or something? There is a sort of. It looks the sort of static snow, but is it actually a photograph of uh, in the, of the in the oh, sky yeah. of of more faces? Um, so it's definitely appealing to that historical sense of you. Know, mm. That series, uh, I haven't read you in winter, but that series is about. Um, he shattered Europe where the European Union has failed and um, couriers for criminal organisations and I mentioned crossing, crossing. ah okay, okay. but, but once on that last word <laughs> but it's a political fella right okay uh, but this is yeah this is a book by Solaris um, have a look mm-hmm. um, I have Every Mountain Made Low by Alex White um, and it's a white cover and then there's like a diamond made of two parts and the silhouette of the top part of the diamond, uh, well, it's, it's yellow, the top part, and the silhouette is like the silhouette of like buildings um, of like various different styles. Like it's not a cityscape you recognise, it's potentially not a cityscape. Um, and then the bottom half is, the silhouette is kind of mountainy and it's very black, but it's got a print of lots of kind of interesting buildings on. And where they meet, it looks like there's like a hunched man I'd maybe go for. Um, but it's a very kind of stylized, abstract uh, silhouette of a man kind of slumped on the top. Um, I'm not like, I'd probably read this just from the cover. I think the cover's really interesting and really exciting. Um, but on the back, oh, I'm definitely going to read it. <laughs> um, I literally just saw the name and was like, definitely reading this. Uh, the back says, Loxley Fiddleback. Loxley Fiddleback can see the dead, but the problem is the dead can see her. Her! I was completely wrong. It's just an ambiguous, abstracty figure. Um, Ghosts have always been cruel to Loxley Fiddleback, especially the spirit of her only friend, alive only hours before. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm reading this. Um, Oh, and the quote at the bottom is from Paul Kearney. Um, I've reviewed Paul Kearney previously and I absolutely adored the, what I read. So each piece I find about this book actually makes it a little bit more like something I'd want to read. And yellow's a good colour. Um, well done, yellow. Um, yeah, that's that one. He's a nice he's a nice chap, is Alex White, and we'll have him on the show soon. Or Aww. we might have already had him. I can't remember. Have we had him on the show? Tell us, listener, because we can't remember. Um, Where's producer Al when you need her? <laughs> I'm holding Bridging Infinity. This is an anthology. It's edited by Jonathan Strahan. It features stories by Alistair Reynolds, Pat Cadigan, shall I read the entire list here? Uh, uh, Stephen Baxter, Charlie Jane Anders, Tobias S. Buckle, Karen Lord, Karen Lowachi, Christine Karen, Catherine Roche, uh, Gregory Benford, Larry Niven, Robert Reed, Pamela Sargent, Alan M. Steele, Pat Murphy, uh, Paul Doherty, Anne Awola Mayella, and... Ed is stealing the book while while I'm tr- while I'm struggling with certain pronunciations. Thraya Dyer and Ken Liu. Oh, Ken Liu, yes, who yes. we've also had on the show. Yeah. Um, so I the theme of the anthology, from the the top of its the, the back cover blurb, is this is about the structures that we're building in space or that we are encountering as much as we're discovering, but such as you know, Dyson spheres, metal spheres around planets, um, spaceships to go between stuff. This is a bunch of stories around these structures, around uh, how we advance into 
into the world. I'm trying, the to, I'm trying to find out who the cover artist is. Okay. Um, and I can't easily, which is probably my feeling rather than the feeling of the book. And the reason that I'm looking for the cover artist is because I suspect it's the sort of cover artist who wrote, draws an awful lot of sci-fi. It is a lovely it cover. Looks, yeah. It is a lovely cover. I mean, it's, it looks polished. There is a planet below, There are and there are the... I don't know what they, the right to astro mechanics. Astronaut, they're a mechanic in spaces, um, and the the massive girders and structures of what that is that they're building. Well, it's a. I mean, it's edited by Jonathan Strahan, which is t- to me. I look at that and I just go, but Jonathan Strahan, and it's got a Stephen Baxter on it, and it's got you know Alistair Reynolds on it, and it's spacemen and the spaceships, and less less of less less of the picks. Pick, the, the, the picture. I can't say picture for some reason. Less of the picture and more of the. Just because it's an anthology, the people who's on there, mm-hmm. it just makes me want to go for it. It's uh, Adam Trudowski, who indeed uh, is a Polish artist, artist living, in, living in England, who's drawn hordes and hordes of covers for, for sci fi. I'm holding Archangel's Heart. Um, oh my god, Del, what have the, you done? I know. The cover literally makes me want to put this down. I don't want to look at this anymore. Um, It's a black and white image. Um, We're looking at the back of a naked girl. Um, Like, it's essentially kind of from from the upper hips upwards. She's got her arms above her head. And then, even though the image is in black and white, on her back are two blue and purple um, wings... They start, they're like angely wings, but also quite demonic. Um, since Twilight, black and white covers have been a quick way of selling something to teen girls or the mothers of teen girls. Um, it has automatically, it just makes me think it's going to be another Shadowhunter story, um, something along the lines of um, Cassandra Clare. Um, and if I look down, it's Archangel's Heart, a Guild Hunter novel. So I'm probably right. Um, Nalini Singh. Nothing could make me read this. Uh, as awful as that sounds, I'm just I'm fed up of this format now. Um, and it will just you can guarantee that there'll be an interesting world that's created, but that will be the setting, and it will just be love him, I love him, I love him, I love him, and that will be the story. And that's doing my head in a lot at the moment. Um, New York Times best-selling author Nalini Singh takes us back into a dangerous and exhilarating world where a deadly, beautiful archangel and his once mortal consort are caught in a fury of twisted darkness. One of the most vicious archangels in the world has disappeared. No one knows if if Legion is dead or has chosen to sleep, the long sleep of an immortal. Del, you sound bored just reading it. But with her lands falling into chaos under a rising tide of vampiric bloodlust, a mysterious and ancient order of angels known as the Luminati, Luminata calls the entire Cader together to discuss the fate of her territory. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I d- I d- uh... No, no, no. Tell what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re- I just feel like at the moment these novels are just coming out and coming out and coming out and nothing I think if you if if you are creating another one of these you have to explain quite quickly using your cover why yours is different to the others and I can't see why it is apart from different character names 
So I've got my hand in the McCormack's The Star of the Sea. It is a it is a blue novel. Um, as in, it's blue. It's very blue. Yep. Um, it's light blue on the bottom, and it's dark blue at the top because space and the <laughs> main. I'm sort of reminded of that Ronnie, uh, the two Ronnie sketch. You know, I want that. Want a book? Which one is it? It's it's a blue one. It's on that shelf. All the blue books, all the red. If we look far down, we can see maybe what is a city because obviously the the light blue is a world, um, and the big picture is a picture of a spaceship. And it's a big, lumpy spaceship that's clearly lumpy and big. So that's judging it by its cover. It's, however, the thing that's selling this to me is the words Una and McCormack. Mm. Um, because it's Una McCormack and she's really good. Um, I'm slightly biased because at the back it says a classic sci-fi rom filled with old school action and clever commentary on our own world. Stop this magazine on the Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah, okay, I wrote that. Um... So, uh, the piece of stability of Stella Maris has been lost perhaps forever, weeks after Delia Walker found the, the remote world, trailing mur- murderers and soldiers in her wake, more ships are coming, and now the impossible, a young woman claiming to be Walker's daughter, has come out of the weird portal, demanding passage off the planet. It's a sequel to the Weird Space series. I don't think it, I don't know, the cover basically tells you it's a sci-fi book. Yeah. That's all it's there for. It's a sci-fi book. You you know what this series is. You've probably you know you either know the author's name or you know the series, and they're selling to a very specific off, uh, market. So again, it's it's Adam Trudowski, and it's a picture of space. Yeah, I think I've, you've you've missed it a little bit because the, the 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 accent with which you deliver the word spaceship was very Benny from Lego Movie, and spaceship. it doesn't look, and it doesn't look like that kind of spaceship, but. <laughs> You know, Other than that, <laughs> it looks more like a spaceship from the movie Alien or Alien. I'm not, I'm not doubting that it is a spaceship. It just doesn't look like a Benny spaceship. No, it's, it's a, not the one he would build. It's a big lumpy thing. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's actually quite a Star Wars spaceship when I think about it. But anyway, just start. You know, it's a big. I'd, I'd love to have. It a is a sort of, of a, a slave one ish. Sort of no, big, no, not really. But it, more of a more of one of the. It, do you know what it is? We're basically saying it's a cruiser because it's a cruiser. So it's yeah. a big, long thing with lumpy bits on, um, <laughs> and it fly and it, st- it stays in the air the way bricks don't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm holding the wake, uh, Waking Hell by Al Robertson, uh, which has this glorious red theme to it. Mm-hmm. We have um, a, a ziggurat. We have a number of other reflections of ziggurats in a sort of circle. In a sort of, you are looking up into possibly the sky, which is now hell which is now red and flaming and awful and you're looking at the silhouettes of a uh, very possibly broken civilization around it mm. whether that's actually indicative of the plot i have no idea there is a caption at the top who owns the dead uh, at the top of the back of the back of the layla Fr- french sorry layla fennec is dead and so is her brother dieter but what's really a pissing her off is how he sold his afterlife as part of an insurance scam and he's left her to pick up the pieces she wants him back so she can kick his backside from here to the kuiper belt Sequel to Crashing Heaven, apparently. Okay. Crashing Heaven, not Crashing Heaven. It's a different book. <laughs> the different book. Um, Al Robertson has uh, won um, awards and stuff. Um, and he's been long-lasted for the British Fantasy Award and the shortlisted for the BSFA Short Story Award. Um, yeah, the next sentence of the blurb is Station is Humanity's Last Outpost, which immediately says this isn't actually a, an apocalyptic or heaven held style fantasy book, but it suddenly became a science fiction one. Which, okay, no, Kuiper Belt also gave that clue away. Yeah. But, but the actual cover doesn't really. 
Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's it's, it's science fiction. It's, I would pick that up because of the tagline "Who owns the dead?" and the bit on the uh, the bit on the other side. Yeah. Absolutely, again, the the first bit you read about why she's annoyed with her brother and the idea of an insurance. That would make me read that, but it would be that thing where I'd annoy myself because a few pages in or sixty pages in, as has recently happened, I would work out it's a sequel. Um, I'm actually finding more and more as much as I used to get annoyed with myself because I'd start reading books then find out they weren't in the series I've started noticing more and more it's because books don't tell you they're part of a series all the time anymore further down down the back it does say this is the fault of the acclaimed Crashing Heaven so it does actually say that but you'd have to get further down and that's the thing normally though there'd be something somewhere saying like part of the blah blah series or the second of this or book three or two on the spine you get used to it don't you and I think it's a format that needs to come back if only for my own sanity. I, I agree, but they've also got their problem of you know they want you to pick up this book anyway, which you know normally mm. if it's if you if you see book two and you haven't read book one, you might not buy the book until you can find book one in the shop, and then buy it that way. Which is why. You'd... But if the if the shop is stocking properly, they'd have book one. True. I mean, if it, yeah, book one was probably enough that there is a book two. You'd have, that's think there'd be more than yeah. Mm. It's 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 not an easy problem to solve. I think it sounds interesting. I'm holding The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Um, it's the, And on the cover it says, the first Mistborn novel, so you know you're safe. <laughs> um, this is a very pretty um, grey hardback. It's embossed. It's got lots of gold and silvers and darker greys on. I love grey, so I'm already sold. Um, but then on... Was it on the back, or it might be inside? Um, this is a 10th anniversary edition of the book, which is why it's pretty. Um, so the back just says, For a thousand years the ash fell and no flowers bloomed. For a thousand years the scar slaved in mystery. Now a, a heist may be their unlikely salvation. Highly recommended to anyone hungry for a good read, Robin Hobb. Um the fact that it's a 10th anniversary and they've created a special edition for it already suggests that there's something that's going to be quite special about this story and would sell it to me anyway. Um, but added to the fact that it's Brandon Sanderson who is just getting bigger and bigger. Um, yeah, I'd. it's one of those things... I would want to read this. I would want to own this. I wouldn't necessarily read that, but that read this. But this is simply because I, when I read, I quite often lie down and I hold books at arm's length, like above my head. But I drop them a lot because I have dyspraxia. So me and hardbacks aren't always friends. Oh. Um, <laughs> I would want to own it, but I would buy a paperback copy. <laughs> I, I I will remember that. Yeah. Um, because you know it's quite a light hardback, so I'd maybe get away with it. <laughs> but on the other hand, the Peter F. Hamilton would concuss you. Oh yeah, no, I'd yeah. die. Like, is there a scale? Is that this book will break your nose? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm quite good at the, like, <gasps> and okay. so generally they hit me on the head rather than my face. And oh, just for the listeners, the <gasps> noise is me ducking my head. <laughs> it's important to have good reflexes as a reader. <laughs> so with a novella, it, 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 you walk away, but with a with a Peter F. Hamilton you splash yeah. um, to, to horribly misquote that that description of height and fatality. That's why the wheels of time is so scary. Well, in fairness, I, I had the entire wheel of time fall on me and have survived, but it was in my Kindle. So so I was fine. 
there, there's the advantage with the Wheel of Time in that it comes in separate volumes most of the time. So you can't kill yourself with it all at but once. But they're all quite sturdy. They are all quite sturdy, but you can't kill yourself with the whole thing. It's, no. You've got to be kill yourself with a deluge of bits of it at a time. Elmer's <laughs> Jerusalem would kill you quite easily. Which mm. I still haven't read. No, because we decided we were going to make Simon read it, remember? That's a good point, yes. We should yeah. make Simon read it. How are you getting on with that, Simon? Well, he's not here, which is a start. Um, he's busy reading, clearly. Either that or he's trapped in the Silver Tower of his own devising. Uh, what have you got there? I have uh, Luke Reinhardt's The uh, Invasion. It's, uh, all, he's the author of The Dice Man. Ah. Okay, we recognise that rather than Luke Reinhardt. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, the title is slightly obscured by the fact that it's on a, it's a reg... It's a nice blue cover with a red slash across the top because it is an uncorrected bound proof, which is also a sort of red corner of the book. So the title was a bit obscure to me, but uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's got a lot of random shapes on it, which, to be fair, from the top, the top of that cover of blurb, uh, because the front cover has on it uh, a dolphin, a, a snake, um, a little dog, a number of balls, a, a couple of people, uh, including one who is well, it's a head with legs. Um, the description, super intelligent furry aliens suddenly appear from another universe, creatures that can change shapes into anything from a small alligator to a centipede to an eyeless four-foot human, and they come to Earth to play. Which, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I think that sounds brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shall I, oh, in that case, I'll continue. Uh, it, it's pretty weird. That's what Billy Morton thinks when Louis lands in his fishing boat and follows him home. He, his wife, and two boys come quickly to love this playful alien. But when Louis starts using their computers to hack into the government and corporate networks and steal millions from banks to give to others, they realise that Louis and his friends mean trouble. Billy and his family begin a rollercoaster ride of fame, fortune, jail, death, resurrection, and a distinguished high-ranking high on the FBI's most wanted list. <laughs> the government soon decides all of these aliens are terrorists. They must be eliminated. This monumental war involves the full weight of the American powers that be against Louis's much smaller team. They hope their games will help humans to see the insanity of the American political, economic, and military systems. But the powers that be don't play games. They make war. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the caption at the top is a, black, a Blackly Comic Amusement Park of a Book uh, by Time Magazine. This that is sounds a ta- mental. Yeah, and, sounds and the book is by Titan Books. Oh, what have you got there? Is it another hardback? Yeah, it's another hardback. Have you concussed yourself? Uh, no. Have you, um, have you dodged the bullet? I haven't been holding it above my head. Okay. Uh, I've got The Stormcaller by Tom Lloyd. Um, I'm not going to... Tom Lloyd sounds familiar, but I don't I don't recognise the title. The only reason that I say that so kind of uh, confusedly is because this is uh, the, almost the same as the Brandon Sanderson one that I've just talked about. This is a 10th anniversary edition, suggesting that this is an important book. Um, and so just... It just, I'm obviously just behind um, to to know what it is, but this is um, the Twilight Rain um, series. This is the first book from it, so you'd you'd be safe. It's a paler grey, potentially with a bit more kind of blue in it, so it's almost like a pale grey teal. Um, it's very pretty. It's got kind of silver lightning strikes down it, um, so again, quite tendrilly. And like a dragon face, but that could be an emblem rather than maybe a dragon face. Um, A land ruled by prophecy and the whims of gods. A man at the heart of a war he barely understands. He wields powers he may never be able to control. He's fighting for survival in a time of revenge. Um, Sounds interesting. 
sounds like a one-man band book maybe um the quote on the back is by adrian tchaikovsky so that's probably again quite quite telling as to to what's going on it's very pretty i would happily own it i don't know if that's been enough to sell it to me to read it but like i said again it's obviously special because it deserved a 10th anniversary edition pretty book yeah i'm kind of curious by the the phrase it's a time of revenge that sounds like peculiar way to describe an era yeah i mean okay i don't disagree it sounds a bit sort of you know not a time for revenge a time of revenge yeah Yeah, it's it's very interesting so i have in my hand prince lestat in the realms of atlantis and rice yes Um, oh god this book it's very large. Okay. But, but it's a paperback. What? Oh yeah, it'd be safe. It's, oh, no, it's totally going to be a hardback because this is an arc version. Um, it's the start in the world of Atlantis. Come on, that sounds brilliant. Really? Yeah. Universal has brought Vampire Call the series for a film to be produced by the Star Trek team. Really? Really? That sounds amazing! <laughs> Ed can't speak. He's kind of sobbing a little bit into into the book. It's Anne Rice, though. Surely it being Anne Rice gives it a certain weight that there must be something to it. The thing is, I've actually, I actually have read this book. Have you? Yeah, I have the arc. Um, the, the, anyway, I've read this book. It's everything I expected. Brilliant. Uh, is that is that good? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to get into it right now because yeah. this is judged by its cover. It doesn't. You don't need to judge this by its cover because it's got Anne Rice and Hughes letters, Princess the Stars, and Atlantis. Um, it looks ridiculous. Yeah. Spoiler alert! It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, why? <laughs> Moving on. Okay, I've got here The White City by Simon Morden, who is proclaimed as a Philip K. Dick award-winning author. There's the caption of it, A Maker Stand, Save a World. Uh, it's a lovely cover. It's, it's uh, sort of... Teal and orange. Sort of... It's teal and orange. Teal and yeah. orange, okay. It's very oh. pretty. It is. I mean, we have uh, a boat on the on the sea uh, with a single man piloting it. There is a eagle coming into land from... or an attack from above... And in the reflection of the eagle underneath, we have a dragon curled, curled around the top of the boat, uh, looking very much like he's going to consume the eagle. So there's clearly you know, hidden worlds in this. Um, mm. And you know, the caption at the top of the, of the back of the cover uh, is possibly going to sell it. Let's face it, none of us deserve to be saved. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> okay, you, you, don't you have that. <laughs> It's it's a very pretty cover though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean we say teal and orange because that's what you get lots of movies in. But it's teal and orange. It's flipping teal and teal and orange. Yeah, I mean to be fair, it's teal of the you know, of the of the sea, it's orange of the sun. It's not like you know these colours don't yeah. aren't significant for the things they're actually depicting. It's called the White City, which is an interesting name. Um it's by the guy who wrote Downstation. He won the Philip K. Dick Award, which tells me something about the style of writing. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Philip K. Dick Award. Um, yeah, sold. Uh, we're running out of time. Oh, because we've judged so many books. Too many books. Too, Too many, many books. books. 
Shall we have a jingle? A Let's jingle. have a jingle. That was a jingle. It was a jingle. If it's you jingle if you want your own jingle or advert, let us know. Uh, get in touch with us at Video Bookworm on Twitter or other formats. You can also contact us via Starburst Magazine. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. I've been Ed Fortune. I've been Ross. And I've been Dal. And you've been the listener. <laughs>